Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hi there, and I am so excited that you all have tuned into the Transformation for Success show today. I want to give a big shout out to all of my local, national, and international listeners. You know, in the United States, this is Thanksgiving week. And the time of the year that people are traveling across the roads to spend time with their loved ones and family. Yet across the United States, there are thousands of homeless individuals. And you know, when I, when I looked at the definition of what is a homeless individual? Well, it's any person living in a temporary location, such as a shelter or an encampment, a car, abandoned building, or just a place not fit for human habitation. That's considered homeless. And homelessness affects our communities on a national, regional, and local level. And the extent of this challenge is mind-boggling. Well, because of the recent fires, and many of you I know all over the world have seen it on CNN, the fires in the state of California. And there are many individuals today facing what they never in their lives imagined, homelessness. So as we begin the show today... Let us say a prayer for all of those who are currently without homes and those who are homeless and are experiencing this new phenomenon. And because of that today, I am so pleased to have as my guest on the show in the studio today, Mr. Andy Bales, an incredible human being who came from a hardworking father of six to become an activist for the homeless population. He brings over 29 years of experience in community outreach and service to those experiencing homelessness. He is CEO of Union Rescue Mission in Los Angeles, California, that was established in 1891. So let me bring to you today my guest, Mr. Andy Bales. Hello, Andy Bales. It's so nice to have you on the show today. Hi, Dr. Barber. <laughs> well, I tell you, I've got to share uh, information about Mr. Andy Bales because he has received so many prestigious awards, uh, such as the NAACP Community Service Award, the 2004 Martin Luther King Jr. Award, and many honors for his community service. They're just too numerous to name. But he was also honored by President George Bush in 1992. Now, Andy has been featured on CBS's 60 Minutes, NBC's Dateline, and CNN. And he's also on a radio talk show himself, 99.5 FM, which is KKLA, a Christian radio station. So what important to note is I'm interviewing somebody today who, who could probably do my job very well. But one important fact to note is that the Union Rescue Mission of which he is the CEO, is listed in the top 100 brands as number 94, ahead of national charities such as YWCA, the United Cerebral Palsy, and Campfire USA. You know, and I mentioned this because this is very notable in light of when you consider there are 1.1 million registered nonprofits in the United States, 
and the fact that this Union Rescue Mission was listed as ni- at 94. And much of this is due, I would say largely all of it is due to Andy Bales and the incredible work he's done and still continues to do for this community. So, Andy, it is truly a pleasure just to have you on the show today and have you inspire my listeners as you share your incredulous and heartwarming story during this week of Thanksgiving, which I think is so appropriate. So, thank you again. I got a lot of questions to ask for you, but I wanted to share this with my listeners that are local and national and international that please know that if you cannot listen to the complete live show, you can download it later and listen on iTunes, Streaker, Google Voice, or via voiceamerica.com empowerment and business channels because we are syndicated and the transformation uh, success shows replace 21 times throughout the week on Tuesdays and Saturdays at 12 p.m. So I'm encouraging those of you today, if you have any comments or suggestions or com- you know questions, you can write me or email me, I should say, at info at transformationforsuccess.com or you can Skype me at Young. If those of you would like to call in today with a burning question for Mr. Bales, you can call in live at one 888 Now, back to my guest today, Mr. Andy Bales. Andy, you have had such an incredible journey, I don't even know where to start. Um, I I mentioned earlier that you'd come from this hardworking father and a family of six. You've had many health problems and a lot of challenges, so just tell me a little bit about who is Andy? (laughs) Well, I'm a... uh fellow who uh, was born in Des Moines, Iowa, um, 60 years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, my parents were, um, had both had tough backgrounds. My mom was uh, uh, grew up on the southeast bottoms of Des Moines, Iowa, and the mm-hmm. reason they call them the southeast bottoms is whenever the river flooded, the Des Moines River flooded, mm-hmm. their house got flooded, everybody's house in the southeast oh, bottoms got flooded, and that's generally wow. where where the mm-hmm. poor folks in town live, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. with area where no one else wants to live. My dad grew up in a family of um, really brokenness and uh, mm-hmm. alcoholism and violence and mm-hmm. abandonment, and he uh, experienced homelessness with his father and sometimes his mother from the ages of four to 17. And um, I have a picture, the only picture I have of my grandpa Mm -hmm. uh, and my dad sits in my office uh, on a pillar and it's uh, a picture of my dad at 14 standing in front of a tent in in, uh, uh, Azusa Canyon where they lived. Mm -hmm. My grandpa sitting on the side, he was part of the uh, WPA working on the Azusa Dam and and, um, you know, kind of wandered. They, they'd think the grass was greener on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm, jump on mm-hmm. a freight car and travel to California. And when they got mm-hmm. here, they didn't find the grass was greener. They struggled. They lived in a tent in Azusa Canyon, a, a garage in Compton, uh, a shed in Baldwin Park. And they would just travel back and forth. But, you know, as, as some people learn, wherever they go, there they are. And, and mm-hmm. the struggles remain. 
And uh, somehow my dad got on his feet at 17, helped my mom, my grandma get off the street. He invited mm-hmm. his mom into his apartment. And then uh, during that time, he met my mom and fell in love. And he joined the military and kind of made a life uh, with my mom. And uh, my brother came along. And my dad, I believe, was a butcher for about 15 years. And then... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got a job on the low end in a in a warehouse, but worked himself all the way up to be a vice president of a company and eventually a, a president of a company. So he, his hard work changed my life. I, I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college, and so mm-hmm. that made a huge difference in, in my life. Well, I know that um, as a young man, you worked a lot of jobs um, and, you know, probably... <laughs> learning a lot from your father and his strong worth ethic from what we can yeah. understand. But what happened one Sunday in downtown Des Moines, Iowa, in the winter, in the middle of winter to hap- that happened to you? So, yes, I, uh, I'd been a, a youth pastor, and then I became a Christian school teacher. And while I was teaching um, at the Christian school, some of the young people were mistreating each other, and I uh, said, knock it off, don't treat people like that in my classroom. But mm-hmm. that night I went home thinking to myself, you know, if a youngster can't find love in a Christian classroom or in this tough world, are they going to find it? So I went home and studied my Bible, and I came back, and I, I shared with him that uh, uh, I believe the way you treat another human being is the way that you're treating God himself. And if you feed somebody who's hungry... Uh, it's like feeding Jesus himself. If you turn your back on somebody who's hungry, it's like turning your your back on Jesus himself. And, mm-hmm. and theologians say I stretched it, but I said I, I believe that if you say a hurting word to an already hurting person, it's like saying a hurting word to, to God himself. And um, so I shared that message with the young people to try to change their attitudes. And mm-hmm. uh, they heard it. Uh, they heard it six times. I heard the message. Uh, no, I heard the message six times. They heard the message once. Um, <laughs> I actually went home and told my wife it was such a good message. I think I should have taken notes on myself, and certainly I changed all their attitudes. But that was on Friday, and the thing was, like you said, I worked a lot of jobs. So at that time, I taught Christian school all week, and then I worked 38 hours in a weekend uh, on the weekend in a parking lot. And so I'm the guy sitting at the bottom of the several story parking lot, taking tickets and money, not working too hard on a Sunday afternoon, but I had a mini screen TV watching NFL football (laughs) sandwich. And I was sitting there and I heard a knock on the uh, window and I looked up and here's this man missing his teeth, long, dirty beard, long, dirty coat, uh, bag of soda pop cans slung over his shoulder and I could tell what he was going to ask and he said, sir, can I have your sandwich? And of course, after preaching the message six times on Friday to the kids, I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry, sir, but I need my sandwich. And his, mm-hmm. his face drooped with disappointment and he disappeared into the darkness, into the snow. And mm-hmm. It felt like uh, a little bit of a hammer out of heaven came and said, you know, Andy, you preached about this six times on 
Friday, and when you got a chance to practice what what you preached, you missed your chance. Wow! So I hoped and prayed for for another chance, and mm-hmm. I a few weeks later I found him on the street and fed him dinner, and then a few weeks wow. later. Uh, my missions pastor came to me. Nobody ever knew that story, but my missions pastor came to me and said, you know, Andy, there's a job opening down at the rescue mission downtown, and I think you should go apply. So I reluctantly went and, and walked into that mission to uh, inquire, and I saw what was happening there. I saw that it was neat and clean. The food was good. The, the guys were sober <laughs> and doing well, and and I saw it as a chance to practice what I preach. So the, my failure to feed the one meal um, transformed my heart and taught me a lesson that's led to feeding millions of meals over a million meals a year. And, and even more than that, I think before that <laughs> moment, um, I used to look through people that were digging mm-hmm. out of a dumpster and I didn't feel any of their pain. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. I didn't empathize with them at all. I just looked through them. But after that, I've never been able to look through somebody on the streets again. Right, I've really right. never met a person on the streets that I haven't immediately loved um, deeply. Well, you know what, Andy? That you you are just so amazing. But I want to take you back to something because I, you know, we started this where you are have such a heart for people and a heart for this man, and it changed your life. But I want to go back when. You were raised, um, I know this from your from knowing you and your story, that you were raised a non-denominational Christian, and you grew up, well, let me go back, I, you know, I think it was so interesting that um, that your father, I think it was your father was lying on the couch and he was depressed, and this was something that happened sometime in your life, and you were in the eighth grade, and you told your father to get off the couch, get your butt off the couch and go to work, so to speak, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm thinking at eight years, yeah. and you're in the so, eighth grade. You're so about I, what, yeah, I shared twelve. That my, I shared them. I shared that my dad was the vice president of a company, right? And uh, then became a president of a company. And when he right. became a president of a company, the gas shortage hit, and mm-hmm. he lost that company because it was gas, you know, related. Uh-huh. And so he he was laying around the house, and he was depressed, and he was actually, I think he was contemplating, you know, if, if a guy can't work, what good is he? And mm-hmm. he was really, really deeply depressed, mm-hmm. and and uh, I really did uh, uh, just decide to confront him and tell <laughs> him off. off. I don't know where it Go came to work. from. And, <laughs> and he, he got up, and he got a good job, and he pulled it together and, and, uh, you know, really became a, a, a great worker again. The difference this time was he was a workaholic before and we didn't have as strong a relationship as we should have. Mm-hmm. From that moment on, we were very close, both had kind of a heart change moment where we began to spend a lot more time together and, and at church and went on mission trips and things together. I think that's, I think that's great. I think that's so wonderful. I just had to go back and mention that because I was thinking, here's this guy in the eighth grade telling his dad, get off your butt and go to work. But but here yeah. again is another uh, aspect of Andy that I want the listeners to know is that you were raised a uh, non-denominational Christian and you grew up wanting to be a preacher. And tell me what happened when you tried your, your, your first hand at public speaking in a speech class. 
at Biola University. Well, it's now Biola University. <laughs> right. So I, I left Des Moines, Iowa in my car at 17, maybe mm-hmm. a little early for college, but drove out to Biola believing I'd be the next Billy Graham and uh, stood up in my speech class the first time and uh, passed out against the chalkboard. And I kind of <laughs> lost confidence in being the next Billy Graham. So that, then I decided, you know, you can... You can work with young people. You can hang around young people. You can play softball, basketball. Uh, you can teach Bible studies. You can disciple without have, without being a great preacher. So that's how I ended up being <laughs> beginning as a youth pastor, and then going to be a Christian school teacher. And uh, and now you know people think of me as a pastor, but I'm more I'm more of a pastor who is a good public speaker rather than a great yeah. preacher. So I, I'd love to be a great preacher, but I'm more of a I'm more of a public speaker. I can preach, but you know but when I preach, speaker. people people don't <laughs> react like they do when uh, you know somebody like Bishop Blake preaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? With that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to be right back with part two after he's teaching all these classes and he meets this man and he begins another journey. So. Listeners, stay tuned because we're going to be back with another incredible part of Andy Bale's story. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney, and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, hi there, and welcome back to my show today with 
Mr. Andy Bales, who's had such an incredible journey from a hardworking father of six to become an activist for homeless population. And I think his journey and challenges and how he overcame them will inspire many of you listeners today. So stay tuned. We've got a lot more to share. So thank you, Andy, again for being on the show. So after, you know, here you are uh, turning the corner, so to speak, after someone asks you for your sandwich. And you later then, uh, from what I understand, you meet this pastor um, who asked you to come to the Door of Faith mission. Am I correct, Mr. Porter? Yes. Okay. Yes. One of the things uh, we talked about, uh, and I, I just wanted to know, because you have such a background and you wanted to be a preacher, you decided you're a better speaker, which I think you are, but you can preach too, but you're a good speaker. How... Did what were some of your early mentors? Was uh, Roy Porter one of your early mentors, and how did he inspire you? Yeah, so Roy Porter was that missions pastor who uh, mm-hmm. he really showed me a work ethic. I mean, he was just uh, he told me there's no such thing as burnout. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, he told <laughs> me that when he was about eighty. So you got to believe him. But he worked nonstop for the Lord and for missions and. Set an example of uh, somebody who didn't believe in in burnout and never quit. And he was a former Marine who'd been shot in World War II and still had the bullet in him. But he never he never slowed down in his great work. And he just had a love for people and a love for for uh, missions. And he was a great great mentor over time. Um, my dad, of course, especially mm-hmm. after after his uh, business failure and picking himself back up. And I, I once preached a Father's Day message in honor of my dad about, you know, a, a righteous man falls seven times, but mm-hmm. but gets back up and, and really um, a righteous man changes things for a thousand generations by mm-hmm. by his mm-hmm. actions. And that was my, my dad who grew up with a really tough upbringing, but changed everything for me because of his uh, decision to, to live differently, and uh, I had a great youth pastor, John Dilley, who became a psychologist later, mm-hmm. and uh, I had Pastor Don Morris and Pastor Tom Allen in Des Moines, Iowa. They were a dynamic duo who launched a church um, in the 70s that welcomed uh, hippies into the into the church and really was the you know part of the Jesus movement that happened mm-hmm. all over America. Mm-hmm. And uh, those guys spent time with me and hung out with me. And the one person who really changed my heart, changed the way I, I believe, and mm-hmm. maybe had a even more uh, bigger influence than Billy Graham on on me was Chaplain E. E. Peters. He was the director of the mission in Des Moines when I arrived there. Okay. And uh, Chaplain Peters, and you know. I watched how we treated the guys and I was brand new and, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, boy, Chaplain Peters, we, we treat these guys so good. Do you think they'll ever want to leave? <laughs> and he said, you know, he said, you know, we can't treat them bad enough to get them to leave. They're, they're able to live under a bridge in the mud. He says, we need to treat them with such goodness. Mm-hmm. That they, their hearts are transformed, and that will lift them out of their struggle. And so, that really 
stuck with me that you know mm-hmm. you can't you can't mistreat people and have them uh, get going right you you have to love them into getting going you you have to that's exactly you right have to uh, deal with every need that they have and and uh, work with them to to change their life so that's that's the way uh, we operate Union Rescue Mission as well we welcome people with the compassion of Christ uh, and and you can feel it when you walk into our place the difference between the streets the mean streets of Skid Row mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. And, and the Union Rescue Mission inside what do you think was the most um, when we think about it the most you're talking about Chaplain Peters what do you think was the most was this one of the most significant aspects of your learning experience with the door of faith mission because what I'm hearing you is undergirding all of everything that anyone does, not just with a mesh rescue mission, but undergirding it has to be that love. Love for yes. people, no matter what. Do you? So what I, you I can say? tell you a quick story, hopefully. Um, a guy named Michael mm-hmm. came into my office and he spilled his heart to me. Mm-hmm. Everything wrong he'd ever done in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spilled it to me, and I was almost sick to my stomach by the time he was done. Mm-hmm. And I listened to him and did my best. It was maybe two or three days later, I got a call from the Des Moines police, and they asked me to come out to a house. Mm-hmm. And I went out, responded to their call, and when I got there, I found that Michael had chained himself to his front door and he had a a broken bottle to his throat and he was going to cut his throat and he said he would only talk to me and so that's why the police called me to the scene so I went Uh up to Michael and I talked him out of cutting his throat and the police turned him over to me and I took him back to my office Uh and we talked about doing something uh, with his life and he decided to go to Teen Challenge and so I took him to the hospital. He had to get an AIDS test to go to, to, to Teen Challenge. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting with him in the hospital. And he says, Andy, if I could only get a good woman to love me, I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Michael, and he was tattooed everywhere, right? I, mm-hmm. I love you, Mary. I love you, Sue. I love you, Betty. And I looked at him, and I thought to myself, you know, I didn't say it, but I thought to myself, Michael, what woman in the world would love you? And right at that moment, it hit me, and, and it was like a voice from heaven and said, Andy, I love Michael as much as I love you. Wow. And mm-hmm. I love Michael as much as I will love you when you've been in heaven in, uh, a thousand years and singing with the angels. And that's really what, you know, Scripture tells us that while we were at our worst, that's exactly Christ right. died for us. You know, and so that's that's the way I look at everybody who's struggling. Um, and I just shared that with my team at, at a town hall in our chapel mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. while we were at our worst, Christ died for us. And that's the way we need to view each and every precious human being we see on the streets or, or who comes to our door. Well, it is, it is certainly a, a great work that you have done and that has been so profound that you decided you wanted to help, help people. 
And I just want people to know, um, you know, a little bit of your experience, how much your love carried you to some treacherous waters. So can you share what happened when you were handing out water on Skid Row to homeless people when it was 85 degrees or hotter? What happened? Well, I believe you're talking about the fact that four years ago, uh, mm-hmm. I had a wound that was beginning to heal. What, it, what happened actually is I, I had a, a heart failure and I had kidney failure. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get my kidney until my heart got fixed, and I couldn't get my heart fixed until I uh, got a kidney. So that all got solved when I had a massive heart attack, got a quadruple bypass, and then four months later, my wife gave me a kidney on on Valentine's Day. Wow. So five weeks after getting my kidney, I had signed us up. While I was in the hospital, I signed us up to do a triathlon. So Bonnie and I did a triathlon. Five weeks after she gave me a kidney and, and I got oh. a kidney and oh, she got 10th wow. in her age group, but I got, I got last place out of everybody, but I got a blister. The blister turned into a wound. It was almost healed, but I was walking around Skid Row handing out uh, water with a, with a wound boot and somehow I came in contact with human waste because there were only nine toilets for 2,500 people on the sidewalks outside. Oh, my God. Oh, my and God. And people used the sidewalks as restrooms. And so I picked up E. coli, strep, and staph, flesh-eating diseases in my leg. And I got oh, on no. a plane to go to the Christian Community Development uh, Conference in Raleigh. And I couldn't stand to get on the plane. I told them, my foot hurts too bad to stand. Can I get on the plane? And they didn't let me. But... By the time I got to Raleigh, I had blood blisters all over my foot. Oh, my goodness. By the time I got back from Raleigh, I had big, open, you know, wounds, gaping wounds on my foot and 104 temperature and blood poisoning all the way to my waist. And they put me in the hospital for four days and then IVs for eight weeks. And from then on, I was in a wheelchair. So I lost my, my, uh, eventually lost my right leg uh, to this flesh-eating disease. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. How, I mean, you know, when I read your story and I said, was there a moment, Andy, when you just said, this is it. This is just it. I I just give up. Was this your biggest challenge? And how did you overcome it? Just mentally? Emotionally? The funny thing is that yeah, the funny thing is that it was after the transplant, and I was walking around the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, you know, my my um, immune immune system's down because I got a kidney transplant. Should I go back and work on Skid Row? And I made the decision at that time to go back and work on Skid Row. I didn't really ever doubt it uh, when I lost my leg or... Uh, or while I was in the wheelchair waiting to lose my leg. And actually, um, getting in a wheelchair gave me an advantage because I, people used to think I might be a police officer. And they don't suspect you're a police officer when you're in a wheelchair. So I, I could approach anybody on Skid Row, roll right up to a drug deal, talk to them. Mm-hmm. And nobody was defensive when I was in a wheelchair. And it kind of became my secret weapon. Mm-hmm. Then... Then when I lost my leg, I finally told the story. 
and uh, I was reluctant to tell the story, and I, I could tell you more why, but I was just reluctant to tell the story right away. Mm-hmm. The day I told the story, the next day, the city council declared a state of emergency and and began to uh, treat homelessness as it should be, like the national emergency, the FEMA-like Red Cross disaster that it is. And the city councilman called and said, you know, today we voted to declare uh, a state of emergency, Andy, on Skid Row, um, and he said it was all about you. He said if, if Andy Bales can't, and excuse my language, but he said if Andy Bales can't frickin' walk down the street and preach the gospel, we had to do something. And so, actually, my my loss of my leg caused the city to wake up a bit about the state, you know, because I guess it embarrassed them that a guy like me got uh, an infection in my leg and mm-hmm. lost it. But that's walking in Skid every Row. Day. And it happens yep. to people every day on Skid Row, and we, mm-hmm. we weren't taking action. And I have said I'd give up my other leg if we would actually end homelessness on homelessness, Skid yeah. Row. And I mean it. I mean, my but heart you know, breaks. I, I, I can't stand living mm-hmm. in a city where where this is the reality. My heart can't take living in a city where this is the reality of 40,000 people on the streets of, of L.A. County. It's it's really uh, tragic, you know. And I have a question that's probably going to floor you with this, um, but it came on my heart. Was, you know, Andy, you had a kidney transplant, which is a very serious thing, and your your system is so uh, the immune system is so damaged, so to speak, and has to mend that you actually. I'm wondering. Did you pray before making that decision to go on Skid Row? I'm just asking that question because, okay, and you prayed and you got the answer to go anyway. Yes. Okay. So then out of that, God used it, although, again, as we look at it, you got the word to go and that infection occurred. But out of it, the outcome of it was it changed a law, a policy or law in L.A. that has helped so many homeless people today. Well, I think it moved us in the right direction. They declared Mm -hmm. a state of emergency. Well, a state of emergency. Measure measure HHH got passed, which is $138 million a year to to build buildings for people. Mm-hmm. I say, now I say devastated by homelessness. And then Measure H passed, which is $355 million a year by the county uh, to to provide services to people devastated by homelessness. So I think, I think what happened to me certainly uh, woke us up a bit and moved us, uh, along with a lot of other things and a lot of other people's good hearts, moved us. Mm-hmm toward doing the right thing, although I'll tell you, we, we've taken some steps, but we haven't taken nearly enough steps. Like I said, it, it really needs to be treated like the FEMA uh, Red Cross disaster that it is, because as you mentioned, so many people are without homes now because of the fires. But yes. before that happened, we had 40,000 people, including thousands of, of families with kids, Without homes, we have fifteen thousand people in LA living in their cars and RVs before the fires hit, and 
and it truly is a, a disaster. It is. Um, one of the things um, that just stick with me for a moment, because I think a lot of people don't understand how do people become homeless. Because we, we know because of the fires in California, that was a reason. But some of the top reasons is 31% is what I looked at the stats is job loss. The biggest is the job loss. Uh, And so I think a lot of people have this thing that people are on drugs and alcohols and, you know, but it's job loss. Yes, it's a percentage of drugs or alcohol use, but then there's divorce and separation. And I remember when we talked, uh, when I met you at church and we talked about the fact that there are more women and children who are homeless now than ever before. In fact, they outnumber men. Didn't you tell me that? Yeah. Yeah, so just just yesterday, a mom called and lost her job. She was catching the bus with her kids on the way here to the mission, lost her job, lost her apartment. Three years ago, we had more men than women and children at the mission. Last night, we had 950 women and children and 450 men. Women and children have far surpassed the number of men. The other night, we had 112 moms. 10 dads, and 271 kids downtown. And then at our Hope Garden Center, we had over 174 kids. So over 440 kids uh, experiencing homelessness, devastated by homelessness under our, our collective roofs. And uh, it, it, is, it has increased so badly. We averaged uh, 1,357 people in August under our roof. 1,400 in September, and the other night it was 1,549. And most of these precious souls were women and children. And so it's, it, it absolutely is a, an epidemic of right, epic right. proportions. It is. And, and I'm praying for answers because um, I know that you're also committed to helping because there's another population that I'm concerned about, too, because I guess I'm of that age, and that's senior women, housing. Uh, yes senior women from the streets. Yeah, I'm we sure, have 350 I mean, single ladies under our roof, and most are, are senior ladies. Oh, wow. Wow. That's sobering. It's really sobering. Well, you know, Andy, you, you have gone personally through so many struggles and so, so many um, challenges, emotional, physical, and spiritual, what would you what would you say today is is the hope that we all need to cling to um, with what's happening here with us? Well, the hope is that that we can address this. We just have to um, work together and decide that we're going to to solve it. we We, we have walking miracles here at work. twenty five percent of our staff are former guests who walked in here one day needing help and now have transformed their lives and are helping others. And uh, we get to see, um, you know, we get to see people change. And so we're a group that definitely believes in change. And we believe no one is beyond help. We believe no one is too far gone. Uh, We believe in miracles. And so Uh uh uh, the truth is that we can address this. We just have to uh, be a people that, that have a resolve to, to uh, work together to, to provide uh, 
structures for people to live in. So the Urban Land Institute came to L.A. and they told us, if you will build uh, 60 structures like the one Union Rescue Mission is putting up in our back parking lot for uh, over 100 people each and give six, six months of case management, they said four in each district, 15 districts, 60 structures. You could get 13,000 people off the streets this year. But what does our city do? They, they decide on 15, one in each district. And mm. that was over a year ago, and we only have one up, right? We only have one up for 45 people, including 30 men and 15 women. So we know what to do. We just haven't, we just uh, haven't done it. made the resolve to do it. And, and the thing is, we just need to do it. New York has 81,000 people devastated by homelessness, but they put a roof over 96% of the people experiencing homelessness, and they work hard on the other 4%. And in L.A., we only put a roof over 25%. We leave 75% out on the street to be devastated by homelessness. We just have to be we have to people do it. that is not, not satisfied with, with, with the condition of of leaving precious human beings on the street. Well, you know what? We're going to take a quick break right now, and we're going to come right back, Andy, because we have some more questions I want to ask, and one of them is, what can we do to prevent homelessness? So we'll be right back. Thank you for listening. on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life, or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, hi there, and welcome back to my interview today with Mr. Andy J. Bales, who's the Union Rescue Mission CEO of Los Angeles. And this segment of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about Andy's vision for the future of the mission and how he is doing so much work in the community to desist in the development of helping to prevent homelessness, which Andy gets me into a question that many people ask, uh, what would have prevented people's homelessness and what do people say to you when you're asked that question? What would have prevented people from being homeless? 
<laughs> well, it's so complicated because a good education is desperately needed. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that would have possibly prevented it. I, okay. I often speak at schools and I say, if you want to avoid homelessness, finish high school or go to college mm-hmm. and a commu- or a community college or go to specialized training that will set you apart so that you can make enough income to avoid homelessness and don't develop an addiction that is going to waste your money. Because mm-hmm. if you don't finish high school and you develop an addiction that's going to take your money, I will likely see you at Union Rescue Mission. And that's, you know, it's a little bit scary, but unfortunately I have run into kids that I taught years ago who uh, didn't listen to that advice. And the biggest common denominator among people um, devastated by, by homelessness is they have no family connection. So mm-hmm. 93% of the 300 folks I surveyed years ago um, had no family connection whatsoever. They, they, their family had either disintegrated when they were young mm-hmm. or they'd burned every bridge with their family. So keep your family connections. Don't, don't have family rifts that cause you to to uh, destroy those relationships and break up those relationships because probably you and I, Barbara, if we, if we hit hard times, we could call a beloved family member mm-hmm. and welcome mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. uh, to their Absolutely. home. What the do you think, Andy? The added ingredient. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just thinking about one of the things that I do know that the unemployment rates, what if we had, you know, more employment assistance for people more uh, help in terms of rental. And I'm not talking about handouts, but people to uh, participate somehow in like employment assistance, uh, helping people with rental assistance, because I understand a lot of people are homeless because they couldn't pay the rents. And there's such high rents uh, here uh, in the LA community. You do know that. And then- um, That's what I was just gonna touch on. The the skyrocketing rents are the added ingredient. (laughs) That oh, has caused it's, the, the, it's the just enormous. And Santa Monica, which has a big homeless population in Santa Monica, California probably, and you and I are talking about this, I know, because it's just on my heart that we have a big issue because we have warm weather out here all the time. So we draw a lot of people maybe who are living outside because of the warm weather that we enjoy uh, pretty much, you know, a part of the year. And if they don't have a place to, to live and the rent is high, my God. And then uh, we need drug and alcohol yeah, counseling. That, that's, that's a bit of a myth that people come here to experience homelessness. Uh, 70 to 80% of the people on the streets of Los Angeles are longtime Angelinos. They, like me, came here with a dream and the dream mm-hmm. didn't quite work out. Uh, mm-hmm. There are people who come from elsewhere in the country uh, to, and, and end up living on the streets, but it's rare that somebody just you know, wants to come live on the streets of L.A., they, um, you know, that things just didn't work out for them and they're, they're on the streets and it's, it's almost impossible to get off the streets once you're on the streets. Right. Uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned so that. Tough. And so we do, we do mm-hmm. need uh, education help. We need job help. Um, we need to change, I guess, the paradigm because... A lot of people say people are service resistant in L.A. They don't want to go to shelter. And I say, well, how can you prove that? So there are 
53,000 people experiencing homelessness. There are 13,000 shelters. There are 40,000 people on the streets. Before we can say people are shelter resistant, how about we build places for them to go and find out if they're shelter resistant? Right. Because you can't really argue that people are shelter resistant when there's nowhere to go. And so I would advise that we follow the Urban Land Institute's instruction, but instead of 60, Mm -hmm. that we build 100 uh, structures for people to to go into and that we help 20,000 or, you know, or 100,000 get off the streets. And then we need to think differently about affordable housing. Uh, Right now they're trying to solve the problem at 500,000 per unit per person. That's what Measure H and Measure HHH and and all of the agencies serving people who are homeless uh, are trying to do. And we will never end the problem at 500,000 per unit. And so we need to think innovatively and efficiently. And we need to start creating housing, uh, like 3D uh, printed concrete homes, 660 square Mm -hmm. feet with a bathroom Mm -hmm. and a kitchen for ten to $20,000 and and need to build uh, in ways that are much more affordable and creative um, because we, like I said, we will never end this uh, epidemic of homelessness at at 500,000 per person. That's why I believe in a mix of structures for shelter. I, 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 I believe in miracles, and I'm going to say this in our last few minutes of the show. We have a new governor of this state of California, and I know he's well aware of the homelessness. I've had personal conversation with him about it, and I uh, admired him for saying yes up and down the coast all the way up to Eureka. We have this challenge. So I am hopeful, and, and I believe in miracles as you do, that we will find solutions over this next coming year to close the gap on homelessness. And I just want to thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's certainly a privilege to have you on the show. And one of the things I failed to mention is that, you know, Andy and his wife have six grown children and they have grandchildren, Elijah, Ava, Maria, Ezra, and twin grandsons, Jack and Benjamin. So and I want to... And new one, Isla. Benjamin and Isla. I want to commend you and Bonnie because you not only have raised your own children, but you served over 25 children in foster care along your children. So I want my listeners to know what an incredible man you are and wife, your wife as well. And to thank you for the work that you do to enhance the lives of so many people. And I wish you continued success as CEO of the Union Rescue Mission of Los Angeles. And you know, my listeners... Many of us are going to gather around the table on Thursday with our families to celebrate Thanksgiving. But this Thanksgiving, let's do more than simply saying thanks. Let's seek God with humility, repent, yes, ask forgiveness for our sins of commission and omission, and pray that God will bless this country, bind our wounds, and unify this great nation. So, Andy, if you have any last words, (laughs) I would love to have you have just a few last words before we close the show today. Well, as you mentioned, being around the dinner 
table. I, uh, perhaps people could go uh, connect with a local agency and sit down mm-hmm. like, like I did uh, Saturday uh, at a table filled with people at a mission and just hear their stories and maybe mm-hmm. uh, change things up a little bit. Certainly get together with your family, but maybe take, uh, take a moment this week to go to a local mission or local nursing home and, and just sit down and hear uh, someone's story and offer them encouragement. And that's how we're going to begin to change things when we start looking people in the face, looking them in the eyes, treating them as human beings, and we won't uh, any longer be able to, to just write people off as, as the homeless or the addicted or the transients. We will see people for who they are and, and begin to cherish them uh, as God cherishes them. Well, thank you so much. Truly, I tell you that the Lord says, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, we do for him. So I want to thank all of you for listening to my guest today and have a very blessed week and a wonderful and blessed Thanksgiving. Andy Bales again. Thank you for being on the show today and God bless you and your family. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an outstanding week. 